You remember weeks ago, some of you were here, we, we started this series in Mark. We talked about how all four Gospels have historically had a different image that was associated to each Gospel. There, there was the human face, the eagle face, right? The bull and the lion. And which, which face is represented by Mark's gospel? Which image does Mark's gospel commonly throughout history get related to? You remember? It was the lion. Mark shows us the lion. His account of Jesus is a bunch of stuff happening, a bunch of stories all mixed in together. Mark likes to start a story and then like just leave it and then come back to it a few verses later. You see that in this chapter where he starts with the fig tree thing and then they go off and he, he clears, you know, all the, all the crazy flea market that was happening in God's temple. And then what happens? They see this withering tree again. Tonight, tonight we're going to hear the lion roar once again. Tonight, we're going to look at this passage, which is all about the authority, the authority of Jesus. And we see right from the get what it looks like when the king comes to town. I've shared this before, but it's so helpful. We see that Jesus comes unlike Anybody else? Last year, we had the Army-Navy game, right? Vice President Mike Pence went to go see the Army-Navy game. What happened? Well, you know what happened. It happens every time some major and big politician comes to town. What do they do? They block off all the ramps on I-95. You can't get on either direction. And then there's like a fleet of black SUVs. And you don't know which one that he's in for security. So if you were planning to go somewhere and take I-95 that afternoon, you were planning wrong. You needed to adjust your plans. You know, Jesus doesn't come in to Jerusalem. This is his last week the last week of his life. He doesn't come to Jerusalem on a war horse. <laughs> you know, right here in town, we've we got a truck owned by uh, Mr. Hauser. And this truck, right, is like one of those old milk trucks. And um, <laughs> you can't really see the lettering. It's all faded. <laughs> And the engine sounds like an old lawnmower. And yet, by some miracle, this truck moves. <laughs> this thing gets around. I see it all the time. And if Jesus were to come into Gloucester, what would he do? He wouldn't be coming in in a fleet of black SUVs. He would be coming, hanging on the back of Mr. Hauser's truck with his disciples, Saying, the kingdom of God is here, right on the block, right in your home, right where people live. Jesus comes not on a war horse or in black SUVs. He comes on a donkey. And he didn't even have that donkey. He had to borrow it. 
And he had to borrow it through some, some somewhat shady ways. Like, hey, uh, yeah, the owner told me to get this. You know what I mean? Like, he's totally cool. Now, it's technically true. Jesus is the owner of every living thing. <laughs> so there's no sin there. But at the same time, Jesus' disciples must have been like, you know what? We just listen to what this guy says at this point. We've seen him heal folks. We've seen him raise people from the dead. But, like, Jesus has some courage. <laughs> He's got some guts. You know, Jesus says it's going to be all right, and we're not, no one's going to shout. You're, I, I've been in, you know, places like old school places in South Philly where somebody shout thief. It's going to go bad for you. There are some blocks in Gloucester like that. The first week I moved here, <laughs> I was informed of what happened to people who touch other people's stuff. Right on, pal. <laughs> Jesus just sends his disciple out and says, go grab. Go grab that. You know, Jesus comes with humility, but he's got a ton of confidence and a ton of courage. We have inverted this whole idea of humility. We have flipped it upside down, where we have become humble about ultimate things. We're humble about like, well, I don't know what's right or wrong. But I do know that if you disrespect me, I'm coming after you. And Jesus flips that completely around. <laughs> and, 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 and he's saying, listen, when people come after you in your name, you just, you, you, you're humble. You take it. <laughs> you turn the other cheek. But you don't co-sign sin. You don't co-sign injustice. You don't get in league with the things that are just making this world sick. You know, we, we, the, more, the more we get on this, this hobby horse of, you know what, we can't tell anybody anything, we actually are like, except for when it comes to me. <laughs> right? Don't, have you noticed that? It's like, it's like nobody should tell anybody how to live, and then at the same time, like, Everyone should tell you how valuable you are all the time. And if they're not, they're, if they don't do that, they're toxic. And you should cut them out of your life. And it's like Jesus just flips that all around. And says, don't worry so much about what people think of you. You could be humble. You could take insults. An injury, but march on for my cause and for the truth. You know, what do we what do we see in this story? What do we see? We see that Jesus, Jesus was, as we say in English, you know, Jesus was broke, but he wasn't poor. You know that there's a difference. Jesus willingly had no place to lay his head. Je Jesus didn't have, like, you know, all these assets that he accumulated. He could have, he right? He was eating 
dinner with people like Zacchaeus. And he could have said stuff like, hey, Zacchaeus, before you pay 10 times back all those folks that you stole from, you need to give me a cut, right? Because we're building this thing and I need some funding for my ministry. I need to go in style. I need some good horses. I need some security and protection. But Jesus walked around and he hung on the back of Mr. Hauser's truck. He was in the neighborhood. He was vulnerable. He willingly was broke. But at the same time, he wasn't poor. And we know the difference, right? Being broke is a situation in your pocket. Being poor is a situation in your head that doesn't ever change. And Jesus, although he was humble and although he embraced not storing up things, falsely putting his hope in a bunch of stuff, he also realized that God has everything you hear me like that's a powerful thing to, re- to realize like you can have nothing and yet stand in confidence that your father has everything and he can work it out Jesus was broke but he wasn't poor this is good news because I know I'm talking to folks here we can be broke but we don't got to be poor We we don't have to feel like we just destined to this. This is a spot that God has us in. But he owns everything. You know, I I, I shared this before, but I was sitting not that long ago um, in this place with this guy named Mez who, you know, he was a street kid in, in Europe and by living on the streets, I don't mean like he moved drugs around or, you know, knew, spoke the, the word in the street. No, I mean he had nowhere to go home and slept on the streets. You know what I mean? With no family and a bunch of other like 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds. And they, they wandered around and would get chased from place to place. And he grew up and eventually went down the wrong path, got into heroin, robbed a bank, and the person that he did eight years of time with, him and that, that guy, they ended up going, coming out of prison, and they ended up planting churches together because <laughs> God saved them. <laughs> God saved their souls. And I, I remember, you know, and, and they do all of their ministry. Basically, all their guys are coming up from rough, hard, difficult backgrounds, and they are working in basically the equivalent of the projects here. And I was sitting right next to him and another guy that was, he was interviewing kind of to work with this group of churches. And the guy said, well, do you have any money? And Mez says, we got no money. And we got all the money. How do you think we've accomplished anything here in Gloucester City? You know what I mean? How do you think we've accomplished anything here? It wasn't from a poverty mindset. It wasn't from looking at what we already had. I just looked on Facebook and I had the little video from three years ago where we had two of our neighbors and 
two less kids in our family, and we were just in the living room praising God, and that was epiphany. Like, it wasn't from a poverty mindset, but it did embrace absolute dependence and faith that though we don't have a lot, God has it all. He owns it all. And if it's in his will, and if it's in his mission, it will be his bill. He will pay it. You know, I, I remember when we started the Easter outreach, it was like, guys, we gave 75 meals away. I stupidly put my own cell phone in a local paper. It blew up like crazy. We took care of who we could. And then I went to a bunch of churches and said, what if we gave a thousand meals away next year? And they were like, what? (laughs) And we did it. And that was nine years ago. And last year we gave 10,000 families a meal and we gave 500 families a meal right here in Gloucester City and 10,000 in the whole region and we're going to do it again. And it wasn't from looking at what we already had. We didn't have that. You know that that we had to raise $175,000 to do that. But now there's 80 churches jumping in together doing it. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? Listen, Jesus was a king who embraced having nothing. He was a king who was humble, but he was a king who knew he was king still. And when he said, like, go get the donkey, he expected his disciples to go and do what he said. And he expects you and me to just do what he says. You know? But, look, we we struggle with this. We struggle with believing this. This is why in a few weeks, actually Saturday, February 23rd, um, we're going to go to Highland Park, join with them, and we're going to have a night where we just remember that we actually have all we need, that we have all we need in Jesus. And we're just going to hear stories from different people who have been healed by God, who haven't been healed, and yet God sustained them in chronic pain and chronic sickness, and God was enough for them. We're going to hear stories of marriages that were on the brink. We're going to hear stories of people who were experiencing homelessness and financial ruin, and God delivered them. And we're going to be reminded that for us and for Gloucester City, we have all we need, but we don't have all we need within ourselves. We have all that we need in him. But as God's people, we forget that. Israel forgot that. And that's what this whole fig tree is about. The fig tree was so much more than a tree. It's the third tree we see in the Bible. The first one, of course, is the knowledge, is, is the tree of life. 
the first tree we see in the Bible is the tree of life. And we see that pop up again in Revelation. We see it right in Genesis. And we, that's a whole bunch of sermons right there. <laughs> right? Like that tree comes back. And uh, by the way, that tree and the leaves, it's not marijuana. So it's, it's not the healing of the nations. I just feel like I need to say that. The tree of life gives eternal life. And Adam and Eve had the choice to eat from that. You know what they did? They're like, nah, the one, the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the second tree. And then the third tree mentioned in the Bible is a fig tree. And God takes the fig tree and cuts it up, the leaves, and gives them some. Oh, actually, no, Adam and Eve do it themselves. And they put some clothes on. Out of the leaves to hide from each other and from God because they were ashamed. You know, in 1 Kings, the prosperity of God's people was described as each person living under their own fig tree during Solomon's reign. What, what's this whole point of trees? See, the Bible is all about signs and symbols. And the tree represented both blessing and covering. Somebody say blessing and covering. And you need both. When God heals, when God destroys, when God does something dramatic, it's never an end in itself. It's a sign. This is what the idea, the Bible calls miracles signs. And miracles, what do they do? Miracles poke holes in our prison wall and remind us that the cloud and the sun and all that's still out there. Because what happens is we get trapped and we start to think that our life is just our life and this is all there is. And there's nothing more. Our marriage will never be better. Our thought life will never be better. We'll never, we'll never grow as people. We'll never change. We'll always have the same temptations. You know, sometimes when we experience God show up in a big way and, you know, our little dungeon, there's a little bit of a, a light shining through because some of the stones break down and we experience something good in our life. Do you want to know what happens? Sometimes we begin to think that, well, I don't want to focus too much on those good things because I have to live in this dungeon still. So we, we, we get that, that soul-to-soul song, that, that hit, you know, back to life, back to reality, and we think, well, the, the good church experience, the retreat experience. My brother was just on a retreat, right? We go away. We go up to the mountains, sometimes literally. Or we go down the shore. We get a breath of fresh air, and you know what we think? We begin to think that that's hype. That, that the, the love we felt was hype. That when we broke bread and we're doing community group and we, we were sharing with somebody and we felt loved, that that was hype. It wasn't real. But what's real to us is just the depression. What's real to us is just living the way we've always lived. And what I'm here to tell you tonight is that it, Jesus isn't the hype. This world is the hype. This world is going to be gone before you know it. You're going to blink and you're going to be in the presence of God. Do you hear me? This world is the hype. 
When you experience miracles, when you experience healing, when you experience love, when you experience faith, that is reality. Breaking in. You're getting a sneak peek of heaven. Your little dungeon situation is starting to brighten up because some of the stones are getting knocked loose. And God's light is shining in to your life. I remember in 1999, like a lot of us here, we're old enough to remember that. I was in the movie theater watching The Matrix. And I just remember everybody coming out of the movie theater like, I question everything now. <laughs> right? You're like, what did I just see? Who remembers watching that for the first time? I remember the diner. You know, we're sitting at the diner afterwards, and we're just like speechless, like what is real and what is fake? <laughs> we are lulled into thinking that all the darkness we just experience every single day, that that's real, and the momentary breakthroughs that God gives us, that that's the hype. And we got it all backwards. We got it all backwards. You know, signs are supposed to show us something greater. And we are living in a time where we get the sign, not the reality. You hear what I'm saying? We get the sign, not the destination. We get the sign of heaven, not heaven. Right? So, like, don't let anybody fool you that, like, if you give them money, you get all of heaven right now. They're lying. And Jesus was really mad about that. And he began to flip the tables around. And he made a whip. And he stopped the people from changing money. And I'm telling you that even today, there's a bunch of religious junk that gets sold on people's desperation. I remember my father cycling through the magazine with all the relics. They were Irish Catholic, right? And you could buy the bones of all the saints. You could get the holy water and drink it. You could do all kinds of stuff with the right amount of money. And let's not just act like that's a Catholic problem because other Christians do that really well. There's entire TV networks dedicated to it. I remember back, back in the day, like getting these prayer rugs just like mailed to me. And it was like, we're just going to bless you with this prayer rug. It's free. Here it is. And it literally was like a 3D image. And if you stared into it long enough, Jesus' eyes opened up. <laughs> which is an optical illusion. Nothing, nothing, no magic to it. <laughs> but it preyed on people who were desperate. And of course, there was a self-addressed envelope right in there for your gift, to sow your seed, right? Jesus wants to flip the tables on those who would sell religious junk to people looking for hope, you know? And then we see, finally, we see what this passage has been all about the whole time, the whole chapter. We see his authority is challenged. And they ask him this question about John the Baptist, you know, and, and what I want to say is that some neighbors, some family, some people that are very close to you, they come in and they try to use 
your innocence to pull information out of you that you have no business giving. Jesus tells us to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents. You know, John the Baptist was from God and the people believed that and they knew that and, and Jesus worked from what the people knew. Jesus could have just told them the answer. Jesus could have just answered them. But he knew that that wasn't really what's going to help them. He, he knew that, had, that that really was just giving in. He wouldn't give an inch of his authority. When somebody challenges your faith, challenges your hope, or just challenges you, be like Jesus, push back starting from what you know they know. Man, I, you know, somebody will jam you up and, and push back and say, you know, I've got all these decisions to make. It's really hard. I got to listen to different voices and this and that. No, man, I need you to listen to my voice. If you don't have weed in the house, you won't smoke it with your kids. It's not complicated. If you got a, a, like accountability software on your phone, you're not going that send it to your wife or whoever, you're not going to look at pornography. If you're, if, you're sitting, if you're not sitting in the parking lot of the liquor store just staring at the lights, you're not going to wake up a day or two days later regretting a bunch of stuff. If you make it a priority to build relationships with Christians who ask how you're doing, who know you, asks you sometimes, are you praying? How are you doing? then you're not going to feel super discouraged and super disconnected. Yeah, you need wisdom, but you need courage to act on the basic stuff you know. And Jesus started from the basic stuff that that crowd knew, and they knew that, yeah, John was from God. And he said, just full stop. Work on what you know. Work from what is clear and obvious. John the Baptist, you know he was from God. He testified to me. We need courage that is rooted in a fear and a respect of him above meeting our needs in any other place. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like we need to believe that Jesus meets our needs and then we don't have to meet our needs in acting out in a million other ways. You know, we need courage in our shepherding groups, those dinners that we have every month. We need courage for the things that we're actually facing, right? Like, Sometimes we're taking care of family members that are taking advantage of us, right? Sometimes we don't know how to say no to anybody. Sometimes it's our own kids, but at some point we gotta ask, 
ourselves, even as we mourn and grieve the fact that maybe we weren't the people we should have been as they grew up, maybe we mourn the fact that we didn't do a bunch of stuff right, we got to ask ourselves at, one, at some point in our lives, well, am I helping them grow up now? You know? And what I'm doing, is that really enabling them to live the life that God wants for them, or am I just holding them back because I'm afraid that they're going to struggle Guess what? They're going to struggle, but they're struggling now. (laughs) And you're preventing what you think is suffering, but actually you're preventing them from growing up. So I want to ask you tonight as we close, as we think about the authority of Jesus in all areas of our life, (laughs) right? I I want to ask you tonight, if you're tired of feeling like there's a lack of fruit in your life, in your, your Christianity. If you feel like Jesus needs to come in and, and turn everything upside down like he did, like he came into the temple and he flipped the tables over. If you want Jesus to flip the tables over in your life, if you want him to come in your life and be king, if you struggle with his authority... If you struggle with his authority, his challenge of discipleship, where he challenges you in codependency, where he challenges you in addiction, where he challenges you to have joy serving God with his people, where he challenges you to be selfless in marriage. You know what? Marriage is not 50-50. It's like 150 and 150 because a lot of your efforts just go nowhere. That's the reality. Like you, you, like, like I love it. Like I love when somebody's like just trying. Like they were kind of checked out and they took their situation for granted. And now they're like aware of Jesus and they're like trying to start to like be selfless. And they like geared themselves up and they did something and they were like, it wasn't received. And then they were like, just crushed. <laughs> like, but I, but I did this. <laughs> I did this for you. And they're like, no, you did this for you. You're trying to get good points. You know what I mean? And what I'm saying is, if you you would like prayer tonight, I want to pray for you. If you would like prayer for tonight for any reason where you're like, I know that Jesus is king. You know, I know that he has authority. And yet I push back against his authority. I want to invite you to pray with me tonight. Why don't we all bow our heads? If you would like me to to follow up with you, if you would like me to pray with you one-on-one to catch up with you I invite you now everybody with their heads bowed just raise your hand if you would like some encouragement raise your hand I will gladly pray for you amen 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 amen